Welcome back to part two of our episode with DeAndre Ray of Joanne Renee, the sustainable designer. Be sure to take notes because she's definitely dropping gems on how she was able to start and grow her luxury shoe line. Also, since you tapped in, be sure to listen all the way to the end of the episode for a sweet treat from Joanne Renee. One of the big things that I'm trying to do with this podcast is bring awareness and attention to how might we create an environment or democratize luxury so that creators of color can thrive in business. And so it's really flipping the status quo from us just being the consumers and constantly Gucci, YSL, Chanel, all these luxury brands that have this heritage and legacy and where I'm looking for okay, the sustainability within like black designers. And it's very difficult as a designer, I know, to not only start it, but just sustain the business. And so I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that and good and bad challenges that have come your way, because it is something that I feel like if we could share this knowledge and kind of collectively bring more awareness I think one, the next generation have a lot, (laughs) a lot to learn from. But two, we can kind of create this more participatory culture where we're not just consuming, but we're actually contributors and we have a say and a seat at the table. So I would love, love to hear your thoughts. And obviously you're disrupting in your own way because you're doing your own brand, you're doing your own thing, but just love to hear your thoughts around that. So I definitely, I think there's not enough Black people in luxury. I think that, period, literally, period. Like, and I am thankful for all of the press that we get, but I'm always really more grateful when we're not just a Black luxury brand, when we're just a luxury brand. And it just so happens that I'm a Black founder. And not to say that I'm not proud to be a Black luxury founder, but I, we're just a luxury brand. And I just think we just need to think of it that way. And we're not this, this little subset. You, like, you don't see lists of the top white owned, like, you know, right. luxury brands. Like, that's <laughs> not how it's positioned. And I think that I really would love to see like the luxury space just get to a more inclusive area where regardless of your background, like if your product's good, then there's space for you. And I think there's a lot of good initiatives like the... pledge where stores are saying, I'm going to donate 5% of my shelf space to Black brands. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a great way to get us out there. But I think that in order for us to feel more inclusive, like we don't need to be this little exclusive pocket. Like we're just a luxury. I'm just a luxury designer. I happen to be a Black woman. So I think that's like the first way I think we can shift the narrative as we continue bringing more awareness to like the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think that a lot of brands are, and I hope that the future generations are seeing this inclusive inclusivity. And then one of the things that I always struggle with that I think a lot of designers do is capital. Black companies in general are invested in at 1%. And that is just a deplorable percentage. Mm-hmm. And then we're told that we need to bootstrap and we need to get angel investors and run up our credit cards in order to start our businesses. And it's, well, if you're going to start a shoe business, like we're talking numbers, you're going to need $30,000 just to get it started. And so right. that's a large amount of money. And for a Black person who doesn't know where to turn for capital, that can seem overwhelming. And like, 
just stop you right there. And I think more grants and funding and awareness on how Black entrepreneurs can start their businesses and sustain them. Because now we've raised 30 grand and now we need to raise 50 grand. Let's raise more money to grow and we just can't bootstrap. And so it's where you go if you are a Black entrepreneur that normally gets looked over for VC funding. Like, where do you go? And I think that that's like the main thing that holds us back is not making it inclusive for us to get money to turn our ideas into reality. Because I think that everybody has an idea and everyone can be an entrepreneur, but it's about finding the money to make it happen. Woo, let's normalize Black luxury, luxury yeah. in Black. Let's just normalize that. Okay, so absolutely. And oh, my heart was literally... populating over here as you talked about startup capital it was just taking me back and yes thank you for your transparency because it's real it's real it's like as somebody who's creative and you have gifts right and you want to bring those gifts into the world and there's so few spaces where you can cultivate those gifts and then don't talk about being an untraditional creative or designer. Okay. I didn't have formal training. I'm at Parsons now, but I wasn't in 2015 when I started the brand. So does that mean, is that a prerequisite for me to even access the networks and the mentors and the capital? And so I think that's, maybe you can share a little bit more about that. You Mm -hmm. know, how you move. I'm sure you're very strategic. I just get that from you off top. But how did you position yourself to get in these spaces and get in these doors and and get this funding? Because it's not everywhere for sure. And especially for designers, like Mm -hmm. we see funding everywhere for you want to do a startup in tech or Mm -hmm. you want to get space, develop an app. But for designers, it's very, very, I'm sure the percentage is even smaller. Yeah. It's definitely so hard as a designer to get someone to invest in a fashion industry, although it's a billion, multi-billion, billion dollar industry. People still are like, that's fake play industry. So it's definitely, like you said, if you got a tech business, you can invest in it. If you have a fashion business, it's like either there can be one or there's none in the portfolio. And so that's like... That is definitely difficult, but we got creative. So we did... um, crowdfunding. So we did KivaZip, which I think is a really good way to raise money. And we raised our first $10,000 through KivaZip. And they do 0% interest loans that you pay back over a course of a couple of years. And then we also did an Indiegogo campaign just during the pandemic, just to raise a little money so we could like operate. And people donated and we had different perks and people purchased them. And so we did that to kind of generate awareness. And then I think I spent six months applying for grants. Like it was like, all I did, I have 50 versions of pitch decks at this point, like, you know, like for this grant and this grant, and I was in multiple pitch competitions, like even before winning a grant. So that's something that I made my focus because I knew that that was the only way we were really going to get money. Like I didn't want to take out a loan to make our debt to income ratio so high before we've even proven revenue. So I just was really focused on finding grants. I actually found Harlem Fashion Relic. I think, honestly, that might have been like my like close to 50th application. And I was like tired and I just like 
Wow. I, I was like, this is like, I just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, hopefully this wow. works. And I think it was my very last application. It was the most intensive process. I, like had to submit interviews and all this PL and all these statements. And we finally got that grant and it took literally a half a year of applying just to get one grant. So I think that that's another thing that like people should know when they're starting a business. 50% of your time should go to finding funding. Every day, whether you're finding a new grant or a new investor or linking up with another person, because that's the only way you'll keep it going. So I really focused on it, especially during COVID, because I knew you know, that we had this hefty bill to pay. And I was like, I am not paying like 16 grand out of my pocket. <laughs> right, right. right now. <laughs> it's not happening, guys. I don't know who's paying that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, so I definitely, you know, just went hard looking for it and made it like my focus. And I think that's kind of why it panned out. And I'm doing it again now. I'm like in this whole mode of like, grants, application, like, so, and it's it's kind of an ongoing thing, but for fashion, it's a little harder to find. So I do think the fashion focused grants are a lot easier to get, like for fashion entrepreneurs that are out there because they already have a position to invest in retail. So I feel like those are like, those should be kind of the go-to, but there's not that many. So that's the other problem. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, I've been following Harlem Fashion Row for a while now, too. Hopefully, we'll get Brandis on the show. Yes. That would be dope. We actually share the same last name, which is like, are we cousins? Are we kids? I don't know. But that is, I love what you know, she's been doing, and I've been following her journey as well, creating these spaces to really nurture and incubate and support designers of color. It's definitely admirable and what did that do for you having being brought on and getting the grant and feeling like I'm sure they've come with mentors and all types of things. So how did that feel? How's that experience? I mean, it was like I say, it was like the grant we were supposed to win because we got a lot of press from it. And I met so many other designers that sit in the same space or were on the same list. And now we're following each other and supporting each other. And so it was like this awesome camaraderie designers that I have like watched I'm like winning a grant with I'm like this is crazy like Kimberly Goldson and like Sergio like Hudson as a stylist I'm like pulling from these like designers and so to win that I was like mind-blowing like I remember getting the email and I just it was like a very just regular text that I like won and I just was like reading it does that say like I just couldn't believe that we won. And then once we started, it was, we got this mentorship that came with it. Like, and my mentor and I was even helping me with like pricing and just different things that I may have been overlooking to kind of position ourselves in the market and got to engage with each other, which was really the coolest thing. I think it was about 30 people in total and just like being inspired by what these other designers were doing. And then also like just being in the same pot. Like I just was like, oh my God, we're in the next class of like black designers and that meant that means so much and then from that like got opportunities to like pitch to stores and like work in other areas that based off of I guess my presentation in the different events we had going on I was able to network with other people it was overwhelming in so many ways because there's like people from Vogue and people from the CFDA and watching you. And I'm like, oh my God, there was like, these eyes were not really here prior to Harlem Fashion Row. And a lot of the grants I applied for didn't come with this like press because Harlem Fashion Row 
is what it is. It comes, I feel like, with this like connection to the industry. And so it was just like perfect that that's what we won because I think after that, we were kind of revered in a different way. Like before that, we had like this, like the CFDA gave us money. People are like, okay, this is like a legitimate line. Like this is yeah. so, yeah. Wow. Wow. Congrats. I'm just so happy. It just warms my heart. And it's just, it's so nice to have that people amplifying you and really illuminating like the work that you're doing and being able to, I'm sure that felt very validating. Hey, and confirming like I'm on the right path. Now I'm in, have visibility with fashion outlets and media. And now there's no question that the brand is successful, going to be a success. It is just, I think it's just fascinating like what you could do when you put all these people in the same room together. And I definitely hope it's something that this podcast, I definitely hope it brings all these guests together at a table in Paris. I've already thought about it all. But yeah, I think that's really dope. I want to talk about a little bit more about creativity. And how you stay creatively inspired. And what is creativity to you? Hmm. I like that question. So the first thing that comes to mind to me is creativity is peace. I can't create unless I'm in a peaceful place, which is why I live. Need some inspiration. I can just go outside. So I think that I've learned over time that like in order for me to create, like I have to be in a peaceful place and environment. And because of that, I actually get my most creativity by not being on social media. So like right now we're in the design process and I'm like off. Like I I have like our team managing everything and I'm just like hoping it all goes well because I usually am checking and making sure things are going well. But I noticed that it clouds my head and I start not being able to come up with my own ideas because I'm seeing everything everybody else is doing. And so I normally take a step back in order to create and I kind of like go inward and I like just shut everything out for a couple months. And so I'm in that space right now where I'm like active on social media, but I'm not actually really on it. So I see it helps me stay focused and to like what our core values are because it's really easy to get caught up in what's trending or you know what other people are doing and start like second guessing yourself and that's like the worst thing a designer can do is to like stray from why they're there and what their position in the market is whether it is like what's hot or is hot or not like why are you here and so when I'm like creative, I'm like, if I could fly away and like go stay in like the middle of a jungle, <laughs> like, you know, like just design shoes and like access water, like that would be my, that would be like the ultimate creative space. Cause I feel like I would just be like unbothered by anything else besides like making a product. So that's, yeah, yeah that's kind of like how I create. And I think before I had that in, LA, like I used to find pockets like that in New York because the shoes were the Mel was designed in New York and my apartment was very quiet and kind of like off to the empath and like mm-hmm. this little oasis. And so I would find little parks to sit in or like little places where I can kind of like tune out and just focus. So I love that. I love that. I totally understand. And there's a saying if you are consuming, you're not creating. 
right? Mm-hmm. So it's like if I'm consuming all this stuff on other people's timelines, how could I possibly be have time for creation and creativity and original thought and evoke feelings because I'm tethered to all the people. <laughs> so yeah, if, if I'm consuming, I can't be creating. I really love that. Girl, I'm with you on the retreat in the jungle. I think that's my <laughs> next step. I'm pretty sure that is the next step. LA, yes, twofold, twofold, <laughs> tale of two cities. But yeah, wow, that's really good. So just diving deeper, when you were designing the mail, mm-hmm. who was the muse when you were designing the mail? I think actually what makes it easy for me to talk to our audience is because like our audience is me. So I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about like, myself and what we would call the quintessential socialite. And I think that that's the best word I can come up with. Like where, like yourself, we're connected within our industries and active in the city and you're out and about. You're like a hot, trendy person. So I was thinking about, well, what, what does she need? If she's in New York trying to take the subway to get out to drinks, like the last thing she wants to be thinking about is if her heel got like stuck in a grate or did it break on the way up the stairs or is it too high to walk in and now she has to take a cab. So I was really thinking, well, how is she getting there? And like, why is she going? And I know, especially in New York and LA and Chicago and like Atlanta, like if you're going out, it's like you're going to go out with a purpose. So it's okay. Well, she has to have her go-to pair of shoes that she knows she can take off the shelf that'll work with multiple outfits. It's kind of like a no-brainer. And so I was thinking about all of those things when I was thinking about the construction and the design and the colors and like the accents on the shoe, just because I know that that's what the average, you know, consumer in our space is thinking about. We have a million things going on. The last thing we want to do is like put all this thought into even though people are like, oh, you must put all the songs in the outfit. Like, the last thing you want to do is put all the songs in the outfit and throw it together, and every piece is great. So, I wanted to make sure that one press that we got that was great fashionista added us to like a Sarah Jessica Parker look that they did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just really cool to see like all these other luxury pieces and then like our shoe thrown in. And it's like, oh, you can create this like foolproof look. And that was the whole point, was just like being able to merge it in. To your already fashionable closet, and it's kind of an easy, it's an easy, no question. Say less, okay? <laughs> Say less. So, how do I get a pair of these shoes like in my closet? Do I need to pull up? Can I like order online? Do I have to wait? I'm all here for the anticipation because everybody's outside, but I'm not really outside. So <laughs> I think I think some of us, because I'm a bit of an amber bird, right? So similar to you, like we are. It's very social, but at the same time, when I'm in my creative space, like I'm at home. But yeah, how do I get a pair of these shoes? And what do we have? Do we have more coming? What are we thinking? How are we? How do I? How do I get my hands on? They're so exclusive, y'all. I swear. I think one of the colors sold out and I was stressed. I'm like, okay, let me just wait. Let me just wait. (laughs) So we definitely, I will say we're a little broken in certain colors, so... We are selling online direct through our site. So we have Cognac, which is we have three pairs. That's been a very hot seller for us. And that's exclusive to JoanneMarie.com. And then we have Mulberry and Paprika. Mulberry is actually on sale right now until the 20th. We're doing a 20% off sale. Ooh. So, yeah. That's Talk dirty to me. Talk dirty yeah. to me. Okay. <laughs> and we thought about this. We also have Florida. So you can check out our website. 
joanrene.com part of it. You can do split payments because, you know, it's COVID. And game changer. Game changer. I'm not going to lie. That has been a game changer for me. Okay. Especially with yeah. my luxury black designers because it's, I want to support y'all, but you know, the way this checking account is set up. So <laughs> we, we make sure to partner with, you know, a system that allows you to split payment. So we love working with Parna and then that's specifically for the U.S. And then for any international, we're actually partnered with Moose Shoes, which is a luxury vegan store in New York and they do international shipping. So if you need any international orders, you can go through them. And that's currently where the Mel Heel is exclusively right now. So to our site and then one specialty retailer and then we will be coming out with new shoes this year so we're in our design and sampling process now and oh my god to play with some new fabrics and you know just release some different silhouettes so we we have some stuff up our sleeves we're really excited oh i am like so juiced okay so she's global y'all she said you yeah can get her internationally <laughs> You can go to the website. You can stay in anticipation for this new drop that's coming. And you can get a pair for 20% off, which, you know, luxury does not go on sale often. So if it happens, you better make that decision and pull the trigger. Okay. So, yes. You see how it aligned my time? Now I got to go get them because now they're on sale. <laughs> yes. I yes. need them all. I want all of them. This is our only one time a year, you know, get it if you can. So. <laughs> yes, I love it. I'm trying to redo my wardrobe. I let's say 50 to 70% of my closet is like creators of color, creators of culture. I, I really feel like if we are more conscious about where we're spending, like I'm not gonna lie, I'm a Zara girl too. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that comes, it comes, but you have to think about just the whole. I think when people fall in love with your brand, they fall in love with you. I can really identify as a consumer with the Joe Brene brand. That's totally me. Like, I do not want to be standing outside and my feet hurt. That is just, I am just too grown for that. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I want something that's going to last. So I want something that's going to stay with me. And I feel like every piece I have has a story. It's just beautiful to hear your story today. And I'm just so happy that we were able to reconnect yeah. And it's just, I can't wait to, I have so many ideas for you on the way, like side note. So we definitely have to talk yes. after this, but yeah, I'm just excited to see where your Joe Renee is this fall and what new silhouettes are coming out and where I'm going to buy it. Oh, I can't wait to see all the retailers where the shoes are going to land. I could just, I can really see it, girl. Like, it's yeah. so beautiful. We're going to be in Bloomies, Nordstrom, all the stores. But it is, I'm so grateful to just have this time, this capsule time to capture like you in this phase and this growth and just very proud of you. So thank keep you. doing your thing. Thank you. And thank you. thank you for disrupting. Okay. Because we needed that. And these are the stories I think they're going to keep people that are encouraged, like encouraged to make their own way. It is circles, not lines. This girl's been drawing shoes since she was a young child. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. I don't know how she is 30, at least 30 plus. 33, yeah. We're in there. Yes. Very proud of you yeah. and can't wait to see where you take the brand next. It's going to be Thank so dope. You. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. And we are joannebrene.com. Joanne Brene is our Instagram. We are online and ready. We are excited to be here. <laughs> yes. So glad you are here. What did y'all think of that episode? Make sure you let us know by writing us a review and sharing it with your crew. Also, to continue to follow the Joanne Brene journey, please be sure to follow Deandra and her brand at Joanne Verne on Instagram and Joanne Verne Official on Facebook. And since you stay tuned, we have a special promo code for our special D2D listeners. You can receive 10% off all the way through October 5th by using promo code D2DJV10%. Okay, that is D2DJV, the number 10 percent p-e-r-c-e-n-t so thank y'all for tapping in please continue to subscribe and listen and share and i'll catch you next time